You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hey, have you seen the um, the reindeer version of, of um, I'm Not Throwing Away My Shot? Um, I've heard about it but I haven't watched it yet. This is The Outlouders is now just like a Hamilton, Hamilton adjacent content. Wow, reindeer. Yeah. So there's this a cappella group from America and they're very good and they've done like an origin story of Rudolph with that's I'm not throwing away my shot from Hamilton. <laughs> He's not actually away really shot. good. I'm not throwing away so my Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright and I'm just going to throw out a quick request before we get into the show today. It's that time of the year that we need to hear your words. So if you are a newish out louder, you might not know this, but every year instead of New Year's resolutions, we set a word for our year and we ask all of you guys to do it and we put together a special episode that we drop on January the 1st that has our words of the year and your words of the year and then we always check back in and see how we're doing. Can you explain why we do a word instead of a resolution, Mia? Because resolutions are all about usually depriving yourself of things. Resolutions feel like hard work or sacrifice or loss and words are just more setting an intention and it's something that you can't really fail at you just sort of check in with it through the year it's kind of like setting your ship on a certain course instead of saying I have to you know give up this or stop doing this who did we steal it from Elizabeth Gilbert sounds like an Elizabeth Gilbert probably definitely we definitely um were inspired by somebody if you would like to be on the episode tell us your word for 2021 I mean we can all laugh I'm sure at our words for 2020 because nothing went quite how we thought but you can do that by on your phone you have a voice memo setting best way to do this send us any message about anything is to record a quick little message and then email it to us at outloud at mamamia.com.au and we will get it and we'll all have our words together on January the 1st. Anyway that was a very long way of saying I'm Holly Wayne. I'm Mia Friedman and I'm Jessie Stevens. and on today's show we're doing something different. Jessie's going rogue and she's really going rogue because Mia has no idea what this topic is. We always usually all know what we're going to talk about on a show. We don't today, so Jessie's going completely rogue. Plus, we're going to do our best and worst of the week. But first, Mia. A recent article in the New York Times has gone viral this week and it has the headline, What if instead of calling people out, we called them in? And it's all about combating cancel culture. It's been written by Jessica Bennett and it features the story of a professor in the US. Her name is Loretta J. Ross. She teaches a really popular class at Smith College and it challenges young people to identify the characteristics and limits of call-out culture, which if you're not aware of what call-out culture is, it's the act of publicly shaming another person for behaviour deemed unacceptable. And the antidote to the outrage cycle, Professor Ross believes, is calling in, as she puts it. And she explains that calling in is like calling out but done privately and with respect. It's a call out done with love, she said. So that may mean simply sending someone a DM or even ringing them on the telephone, if that's something that you would do, to discuss you know, the subject or simply taking a breath before commenting or screenshotting or demanding that someone do better without explaining how. So, you know, in short, calling out assumes the worst, whereas calling in involves conversation and compassion and context. I really, really love this as someone who has been called out so many times 
in so many different, well, mostly in the public shaming horrible pylon way, I've learned a lot from the things I've been called out for, but I've never learned them during the process or from the act of being called out no, because I agree. that act is so shaming and it's like it's so shaming and it's so aggressive and it's it assumes that you've done something out of malice rather than ignorance. And we talk about giving people the benefit of the doubt a lot here on the show and it's something that I try to always bear in mind. And it's, it's it doesn't mean that you should ignore harm or or damage or not take offense at anything. It's it's not about that, but it's that you shouldn't exaggerate it and and react. You know, it, it, Professor Ross says every time somebody disagrees with me, it's not verbal violence. And she says that overstatement of harm is not helpful when you're trying to create a culture of compassion. This article obviously really spoke to me because I, I've also been called in. I've, I've had people slide into my DMs. It happened quite recently. There was something on one of the podcasts that I host. I didn't say it, but one of my guests said it and it was considered very offensive to some people. And I was both called out and called in and I know which one resonated more. Mm. It's it's the calling in. Jesse, what do you think? Uh Loretta Ross was a very prominent and continues to be a very prominent civil rights activist. She is someone who has worked with former members of the KKK. Like mm. she has real knowledge of she's African American. Yeah, yeah, of the level of hate that and has lived a life like incredible and traumatic experiences. And she basically says, if I can speak to someone who used to be in the KKK, if mm. I can sit across from someone who was a former neo-Nazi and see humanity in them, then so can anyone, which I think is a really powerful message. At the same time, she says it doesn't mean you should be best friends with them or seek these people out, but this level of dehumanising the enemy that we see, especially on social media, is counterproductive and shame, which I think we were just talking about the other week, doesn't change people's behaviour. Like shame isn't a motivator, it's a mm. demotivator. And we experienced this recently. Uh, we were on an episode recently, we were talking about Jack DeBellin and uh, Jared Hayne. And we had to cover it in a very specific way because it's still before the courts. They're and the NRL players who've been accused of sexual yes, assault. exactly. And we, I was called out by someone who was clearly really wanting a response, basically calling me a rape apologist and you are excusing the behaviour of this man by by not calling it what it is. I'm not allowed to call it what it's alleged to be. And I just thought you're actually using this to grow your own platform. People do that, I think. They find... Particular Not everyone. Some people genuinely are upset. But the difference between calling out and calling in, Holly, is it about virtue signalling? Is it about publicly saying to everyone, hey, this person over here did a bad thing and I'm pulling them up on it? Well, sometimes it is. But benefit of the doubt to the caller-outers, right, you teach more people something if you do it in public. So let's put this in a real-life context. Say somebody you know, your uncle at Christmas, uses a term that is now deemed offensive. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't know that because 
he probably doesn't live in our world. He doesn't live on Twitter. He doesn't mm-hmm. know things like that. So let's say he uses a let, for argument's sake, this is a one that we could talk about that's not too controversial. But say that he referred to someone as having special needs, right? Mm-hmm. Now we know because we work in this world that someone will if you if you said that that term in public now, someone will reach out and say to you, hey, language has moved on. We've actually got a more inclusive term for that now. We don't want to use the word special. We want to say additional or, you know, another version of that. Now, until somebody tells me that, I don't know, right? Now, they can just tell me in a DM and I know. But if they do do it publicly, then everybody who follows me and reads the messages know. So benefit of the doubt on some levels of call out is it's about us all opening our eyes, right? So on, but uh, taking it into the personal real life context, when my uncle says something like that, I might say, you're not allowed to say that anymore. He will say, oh, you're not allowed to say anything anymore. Yes. Because <laughs> he will feel embarrassed. Yes. So, and he will get defensive. So give me I bet you've got this, Jesse, a better example of how to say that. Because if you don't say anything, then the uncle's then going to go out and say it to someone else and someone else and someone else. And he's going to say it to somebody who's going to be genuinely upset by it. So how, what is the better way of calling someone out when they use language that, or they say something that you know is not the right thing to say, because we're now listening to groups who didn't used to get heard? It's, I reckon it is all about your tone. And so this is on do? social media or it's in person. Let's say it's in person. This happens at work all the time. I was in a meeting recently and someone used, oh, I can't remember what it was, but a word that they that I kind of went, oh, it's not the word we use anymore. And the person next to me, she had a smile on her face and she said to her, hey, don't use that. We don't use that word anymore. And kind of had a bit of a laugh about it. I've been in other situations in a big public meeting with 25 people and I've had someone say that word is really offensive and it upsets me and they've gotten and I know that's a really easy thing for me to say as like a white straight woman who's not personally victimized by that language but it is ultimately more effective isn't it more effective sometimes to realize that you've upset someone like that I mean I'm I, but I, I, why I, does I don't everyone mean to be, at the table need to realize Well I don't that. mean to mm. be arguing that I think that everybody should be yelling at each other. Mm. But to your point about it's easy to say, well, don't be so upset about it. Just tell me in a calm manner. You can't always control your level of upset about things that upset you. I think you want to – let's say we want to look at the outcome, right, which is what this article was about and it was what Professor Ross was talking about. If you want the outcome to be that everybody knows that you're woke, then call out. If you want the outcome, and I'm making it simplistic, but if you want the outcome to be that you really have explained something to someone who was ignorant of it and who didn't mean to offend, who didn't mean malice, they just didn't know better, they didn't realise language had moved on, for example, calling in is always going to be more effective in that because we know and and it's been said that this is a big uh, part of the reason that Donald Trump has so many people who love him so much he really pushes back against that idea of calling out and basically, you know, the people who say or political correctness or cancel culture, he says you don't have to be ashamed of anything. Don't ever be ashamed. Now, of course, you you always argue, Hole, that 
shame is important in a society because how else you should be ashamed of some things you should be ashamed of some things and and donald trump is not ashamed of anything and he gives his followers permission to be ashamed of nothing but has anyone ever had their mind changed by being shouted at or humiliated publicly i would i don't i don't think so and even in a comment right you can say hey that's not the correct language it's actually more inclusive to have that I've got out louders do that to me all the time Mm. really really helpful and Mm. I always thank them it is really helpful or you can say what you've just done is committed an act of violence against a child and you have no idea what you're doing to the disability community and you can do that and then all of a sudden I get my back up a little bit because you're like hang on a second I just yeah Yeah, you don't know me you don't know my situation and then I I feel automatically quite Mm. defensive and the difference and this is what Loretta Ross is talking about one is an invite with a door open to go come into this community and the other is slamming a door and going, you don't belong in this community. And the difference is stark. Rose. Come on, Rose. Girl. You might not love this next My segment. Go on, Jesse. Take it on. Jesse goes rogue. I will. Yeah. I need to talk about two incidents that took place in New York this year, right? So we're going to New York. Huh. Oh, I'd like to be going to New York. Yes, that's where we are. Maybe you won't by the end of this segment, Holly Wainwright. <laughs> it's too much COVID over there. One of the incidents was in October and a gentleman was walking down the street minding his own business. I think he wanted to catch the bus. And as he strolled, the pavement gave way and he fell into a sinkhole. As if 2020 hasn't been bad enough, he's fallen into a sinkhole. But it gets worse. Below him, there was a rat's nest. And he's fallen into a rat's nest oh with rats God. and I quote the size of puppies. <gasps> and when he fell in, he instinctively knew that he couldn't yell because if he yelled, a rat would run into his mouth. Oh, my God. Okay? So that's one story. On what top happened? of is he, al- is he okay? He's, fine. he's okay. Oh, he fractured his spine. Um, but <laughs> he is. Fine. He's not fine. He's, the he, rats didn't need him, though, if that's no, your question. He fractured his spine and he was left completely traumatised. Yeah. And he is now suing everyone. Mm. And if I fell into a sinkhole into a rat's nest, I would sue the president. I would You'd sue you. You'd kind of lose your faith in just the basic oh, the fundamentals of I life. Would sue, I would sue every rat individually. And so what happened after um, that? Okay, so Not he's important. basically. Here's the next story. Yeah, this is related. <laughs> your pen. Dad always can hear everyone's know, is my pen, pen rolling on the table. But there's more. There's another court case right now in New York. And a handyman was working on a ceiling and he didn't have gloves or goggles or anything like that. And then the roof, which was infested with rats, fell in on him. And it included all the stuff related to rats. So maybe faecal matter, urine, whatever, fell in on him. So this man is doing his job and he's covered in rats from the ceiling. His list of symptoms the next day, he went to the to hospital the next oh day. He had diarrhea, nosebleeds, vomiting, and weight loss, which is a weird thing to notice within 24 hours, you would yeah. think, all related to being rained on by rats. Did, were, did rat actual rain. rats fall on him as well? Oh, oh, yeah. Hundreds of rats. Oh, my God. Fell on his head. This begs, I think, one of the most important questions of the year, which is, Mayor Friedman, would you prefer to fall into a sinkhole <laughs> of rats? Yeah. Or to have rats fall on you from the ceiling. Well, that's easy. I think it's easy. That's too. that's a, like a trick question. It's not a trick question because if they, it's about gravity. So if they fell from the ceiling, they would keep falling past me, 
and end up on the floor and presumably run away except yeah. for the little rats that didn't, you know, survive the fall. If I fell into a sinkhole, I would land, not just would I land on the rats, but then I would be, I couldn't get out from the rats, particularly if I had a broken spine. So, like, obviously I would choose rats falling from the sky. Holly. Obviously, Mia's correct. I said the same thing. This, These two stories... I have rat phobia. This is maybe why I'm so afraid. Like, I don't mind spiders. I don't mind snakes. I don't mind cockroaches. I don't mind anything, but I hate rats. What is it specifically? Oh, even just <laughs> thinking about it. Oh, it's their tails. It's their fucking tails. It's their and teeth. Their it's teeth. their teeth, And yeah. the fact that yeah. they're just horrendous. Do you feel that way about mice? I don't like mice, but I don't feel quite as strongly as I do about rats. Rats are greasy. And this is, yeah. wor- this is why I'd already heard these horrendous stories because like people, you know when you you hate something, yeah. you also read everything about them. So I'd already shown my my children the image of the man falling into why the sinkhole. Why would you do There's that? a video, I'll send it to you, <laughs> of him falling into the sinkhole. you? <laughs> to warn them. They know that I hate rats, so they're always trolling me about it and like showing me pictures of rats and things. And oh. so... I'd already seen the sinkhole of rats because I'd see, I said, oh my God, guys, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And they're like, ha. And the thing is, is that these are pandemic related stories to a point because the cities of the world are having increased rat problems at the moment. Because when they had to close all the restaurants and bars down, same thing hap- happened in Sydney. Rats all lost their food source and started spreading. <gasps> so right now, if you walk around where we work, we work in the inner city Sydney. I, most days I walk from the bus on Oxford Street down. Palmer Street to our office, there are rat traps all the way along because there are rats everywhere at the moment. So this is like a live possibility. I could fall into, into a, sinkhole a sinkhole of rats at any moment, but Mia's correct. You want the rats to fall on you because yeah, then they'll then fall they down falling. and run away. Not convinced. So my sister Claire found this and she um, cares enormously about this story and we got into quite an argument about it because I thought I'd prefer to fall into the sinkhole. And the reason is the element of surprise of being rained on by rats is really troubling for me because they'd get all on my face and in my eyes and in my mouth potentially, which I don't like. I don't mm. like things falling on my head when I can't see them coming. Whereas if I fall oh, into... Oh, I do. Most people really like that. You're really <laughs> a lone ranger there, Jesse. Most people love things falling on their I head. feel if I fell into the sinkhole, I had 12 feet to really come to terms with what was happening. Like... It's happening, it's happening, I'm hitting them. But that's also worse because at least it's over faster if they've fallen from the no, roof. No, I like You knowledge. don't have that time to oh. think about it. I don't like surprises, but I don't like the idea of squishing a rat. That's really You know, upsetting. this happened to me once, something similar. When 100 years ago I was a backpacker, came to Australia, backpacker, went and picked bananas in far north Queensland. Shout out to Tully in far north Queensland. And one of my jobs was in the banana shed is bananas grow in plastic bags. You have to, I had to stand there and pull the plastic bags off the banana bunches and rats nest in banana bunches <gasps> so more than once i would pull a plastic bag from the banana bunch and rats would run down my arm <gasps> and i lost my shit no wonder, wonder. You're, you've got a phobia. i already had my rat phobia PTSD. and then i got to far north queensland and i got a little bit better because you had to get comfortable with the fact that sometimes standing in banana sheds rats would just run over your feet this is why far north queensland you get the snakes on the banana bunches you put them around your house to keep the rats away <gasps> see how many things i know about rats oh. i do think Mama Mia has gone rogue as for a long time now 
That's the best. It was so great. I loved it. Oh my God, that's the worst. Sucked. I like talking about bad things. Best and worst of the week. So this is the bit where we say what was the best or worst thing that happened to us or was in our world this week. And I'm going to go first with my worst today and it's a serious one. I have written a story today that's on Mamma Mia about the fact that in Australia this week, four women have been murdered by men in their lives. Four. Three of those were in one day. On Monday this week. From regional Victoria to Western Sydney to Darwin and to the suburbs of Melbourne. It feels like these stories are coming at us all the time. It's like we know now, it's just part of our lexicon, oh, about one woman dies every week at the hands of of a man in her life in Australia. How do we keep telling these stories so people will listen? Oh, I don't know, how do we cut through? These are the kind of conversations that journalists in newsrooms have all the time. And this week, we were talking about it at Mamma Mia, the fact that four women of different ages, women in their 20s, women in their 40s, have been murdered in horrible circumstances by people who were supposed to love them. I just don't know how many more times women can talk about this stuff. We know how many women have died this year. It's 49 in these circumstances because there's an organisation called Counting Dead Women, right, from Destroy the Joint, who count them, which is a horrific thing to think has to exist, right? It shouldn't be us. It shouldn't be me writing stories that go on Mamma Mia. It shouldn't be Jesse. It shouldn't be Destroy the Joint. It shouldn't be Women's Agenda. It shouldn't be... The people who are going to stop men from abusing and murdering women are men. I want to see the Prime Minister talking about that this week instead of losing his shit for seven days about a cartoon from China. I know that's important geopolitically, but for God's sake, every man with a microphone in front of him should be talking about this. It's a national disgrace for women. And the thing is, is that's only the tip of the iceberg. Every two minutes, a woman is frightened for her life in Australia and calls the police. Every two minutes. Like, how much time can women spend shouting about this? We need men to start shouting about this, and I'm really mad. It's the worst thing. Mad is the wrong word. I'm not mad. It's not about me. It's just, I just got to a point this week where I'm Mm. just, it shouldn't be us talking about this anymore. Mm. It makes me think of that Annabelle Crabb. Uh, line about how if one person a week was taken by a shark, we'd be draining the oceans. Uh, and this week, four women died and nothing. I, it's an outstanding piece that you wrote, Hole. I, I recommend oh. everyone read it and share it. And men, we need you to speak up. We do. We need you to speak up and step up. And there are some amazing advocates in this space, and they're saying the same thing. The silence from our leaders is deafening. Why isn't the Prime Minister wearing black? Why isn't he talking about this in Parliament? Why aren't we flying flags at half-mast? Why aren't we saying it's not okay? We know that peer-to-peer pressure is the thing that changes behaviour. Men, we need you. Okay, that was my worst. It's over. We can move on to other things. It's not over, but it's over. Who's got a worst? Oh, goodness. I know, that's hard to follow. I'm Um, sorry. I did also order a coffee this week with my shirt undone showing everyone my bra. So that yes. was another oh, which I think really covers yeah. the spectrum of best and worst. <laughs> yeah. As we say, there's no rules. So yeah. just because Holly said that doesn't mean no, you can't say something completely superficial. Yeah. That's the rules of best That's and worst. Um, I'll go next, and Holly will save your best for when you've caught your breath because that was <laughs> truly outstanding. Um, my worst was the fact that my son finished primary school this year. And I could not be there because of COVID to see his final assembly. That was my worst. And my best 
is that my youngest son has finished primary school. <laughs> and I've done 21 years of primary oh school. Oh, my God. And I no longer have a child in primary school. And I feel pretty great about do that. You? I mean, I feel sad. I do. It, part of me feels sad. But, you know, I, I, I think that what I want to do is to reach back and all the women who are in the weeds of babies and toddlers and not sleeping and unreasonable preteens and, God, it's great when they get older and they can just do stuff and they can cook dinner and they can sort themselves out and they can catch buses and all of that and they're really interesting, great people. Um, I just, yeah. Is he excited about high school? He's nervous. Mm. He's really nervous. Um, So, yeah, there's a poignancy about it. So in in a way that, that that was also my worst because every year at the end of the assembly when all the year sixes go and they clap them out and everything, they, um, you know, they did live Zoom it but I couldn't get on and I missed that bit as well. And just not being there. I cry every year when it's not my kid and this year it was my kid and I couldn't cry. Uh, But I'm sure I'll make up for it by crying sometime in the future. Jesse, My worst this week has been book edits. So I am deep in this process of this book that I've been writing. You get back edits and every step of the way I've been like, it's going to be so much easier when I just get get to the editing process. That's easy. Like writing words is the hard bit. Oh, my God, this is the hardest thing I have ever done. It is so funny. I keep taking photos. This editor is Honestly, I need to send her a bunch of flowers because she is a genius. The things well, she does are amazing. Up, what kind of things does she say? So I reckon on every page there are two hundred and eighty pages, and I reckon there are twenty five edits a page. Right? It's like from small things to tense to oh, hang like on past tense, and you've you've switched tenses sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's complex. It's it's very complicated. She is using something called pluperfect tense, which I've never heard of. And she'll be like, this person has walked into a room and there's wine bottles on the table. She's at a bar, there's wine bottles on the table. And then you have her going to the bar. Like, why would she go to the bar if there was already wine? Like, just things like that that you're like, haven't thought about. Anyway, there's one set at at a bar and I wrote a line about like, the legs of the stool were like claws. It was the most disgusting sentence. And um, (laughs) she's written, sometimes comma, a stool is just a stool with just like a smiley face. And I, I love, love it editing. when she gets a little bit sassy. There was another line oh, that's so where great. she's just, I see a little markup and it's just like, not sure what you mean here. And I was like, idiot. Like, I bet I made perfect sense. And it's just her. She doesn't get how yeah. brilliant I am. So I read the sentence that doesn't make sense. And it says, he whispered in such a way as to be heard. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I love was it. I thinking? There's she- nothing better for your ego than your book oh. edits. Like it wasn't it just all it's red pen wow. everywhere, like you know, digital red pen everywhere. And you're just like, oh, I'm not that great. I'm actually, I am having such a crisis because the thing is as well, I'm like, could she give me a tick? Like, you know it in high school you get the odd like good line. This is not she doesn't have time to waste with stroking my oh, ego. So it's just good. like this is a mess, fix it. Anyway, the bad bits are now out, so I promise that it, it won't be so bad when it comes out. My best was last night I was out to dinner with a few friends and I walked in and I think I know who this person was and she was sitting across from the cafe. You can just spot an out louder. You can. They're just like cheery, good people. And I'm having dinner and then the bar 
the person who was serving us came over and gave us like four drinks and I was like, we didn't order these. And he said, no. And out louder just came to the bar and said she wanted to thank you for the podcast. And he was clear. He had this look on his face like, I don't know what a podcast is. (laughs) Let alone an out louder. An out louder. And he was just like, you do a podcast? And I was like, oh, my God. And I said, is she still here? Is she still here? And she'd left. But she just paid for these four drinks for the whole table to have as like a thank you for the podcast. Oh, that's amazing. Is that fantastic? I was like, I've made it. I've made it. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was so, so nice. My best was I took my kids to an event this week because they're kind of back, live events are back. And one of the things that's going on in Sydney at the minute is the Van Gogh Alive exhibit. (gasps) I'm going tonight. Yep. So it's like it's been around the world. It's uh, an art exhibit, but it's on these giant screens and it all comes to life and stuff. And they do it in a COVID-safe way and all the adults wear masks and limited numbers and stuff. But basically it's an immersive thing. Now, my little boy, Billy, and it wouldn't be great for every neurodiverse kid because it is quite a sensory thing, Mm. but my little boy, Billy, hates sport, loves art, loves art, right? And so he goes to art class. He's always saying, obviously I'm going to be an artist. He doesn't even know what an artist really is, but whatever. So I took him to the Van Gogh Alive exhibit and it was the best. Because A, it's brilliant. B, like as an experience, it's brilliant. It's so well thought out, so beautifully put together. So it sort of tells Van Gogh's life story. Is it Van Gogh or Van Gogh? Okay, I thought it was Van Gogh, but my mum keeps saying Van Gogh and I'm like, I don't understand. Goff like cough. I always say Goff. Really? Is it Goff, do you think? But anyway, I've always said Van Gogh. Van Gogh, Van Gogh, sorry out loud as you can correct us. Anyway, it sort of tells his life story, which is not the cheeriest because I do. there are some moments where you have to explain why he cut his ear off and mental illness and why he's in an asylum and why ultimately Mm. he, you know, ends his own life. But in between there's a lot of beautiful paintings. Sunflowers. Gorgeous music and the way that they've done it, it's so tasteful. Anyway, Billy loved it. They both loved it and it's kind of kid-friendly so they can run around and they can make noise and a lot of the art is projected on the floor so that they can chase it about and stuff. It was just like joyful. It was joyful to be back out at something like that. It's joyful to see my little boy lit up by something Mm. that he really likes. Yeah. Um, And it was also just an amazing reminder of how bloody talented a lot of people are. So that was amazing. That was my best. Before we go, Mia's got a recommendation for us. I uh, wanted to recommend a show called Addicted on SBS. There is the possibility of recovery for every patient. I just want to be free of the chain to the drug. Emergency services. Is your daughter responding? It's an extraordinary show. Uh, It's been made in Australia. It's a documentary, actually, and it follows the stories of 10 people who are addicted to different things. There's a woman who's addicted to meth. There are a number of people who are addicted to alcohol, a man who's addicted to gambling, another man who's addicted to heroin, and it shows their treatment. And the the documentary makers have had unprecedented access, like they're at home with them when these people like wake up in the morning and battle with whether to drink a bottle of wine at six o'clock in the morning. I really want to watch um, this show. Oh, it is so fascinating. And I heard about it because I interviewed a woman called Heidi who is featured in it. She's just, I think she's in her early 30s. She might only just be 30. And she, five years ago, after not drinking really at all through her younger life, at 25 she started drinking and became an alcoholic quite quickly in response to some trauma. When she goes into rehab, as they don't all go into rehab, when she goes into detox actually because that's what the, the hardcore addicts have to do, 
she goes in with a blood alcohol reading of three times over the limit and she said, I've had three drinks this morning, but then they said, but that couldn't possibly be responsible mm. for this. And she said, well, I had about 20 last night. Yeah. And what the doctor who was um, admitting her was said, and it was amazing, you would never, she wasn't slurring her words, she was completely articulate, sharp. And he said, you are so high functioning, which shows that you've got such, you've developed such a high tolerance for this. If anyone else was three times over the legal limit, they You'd would be, be a slurring mess. They might not be able to talk. So it was just, it just shows that addiction is not linear. It's not just you know, the reason that she said she wanted to do it is that it's not just the person you see on a park bench with a mm. brown paper bag. It affects all kinds of people. The mechanics of addiction and of recovery are so interesting. Highly recommend it. You can listen to that No Filter. This week I've interviewed two people oh. with alcohol addiction, actually. The Shana one on Wan. Monday, yeah, the, which is a Shana woman. Shana who founded Sober in the Country. It's just so great, Mia. Yeah. And so many oh, of the outlouders yeah, have so responded to that too. So that's my recommendation. It's on SBS On yep. Demand. That is all we have time for on Mamma Mia Out Loud today. This episode was produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. And we'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye. 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 Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.